0: Welcome to The Word This Week, where we believe that the Bible is more than just words on a page, they are the words we live by. And it's pretty cool too. We invite you to join us as we read through the Bible together this year. Welcome back to The Word This Week. This is episode six, and I'm excited to have uh, two new guests with us this week. Uh, First, Beth Heron. Hi, Hi, guys. Uh, Tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Sure. Um, so as Brian said, my name is Beth Heron. I serve on staff at the river. I have a husband and some kids and some dogs, and uh, I love the Lord.
0: Awesome. Thanks. Uh, also joining us is uh, the man who needs no introduction, but we still will, Steve Taboo. Hey, Steve. Hey, guys. thank you for letting us. Come and share today. I mean,
2: I'm excited. I hadn't done a podcast before that I know of.
0: You know, This is the first time? Yeah, back in our days, we just called it doing radio, you know.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Radio, (laughs) what's
0: that? (laughs) Steve, uh, just tell us a little bit about your family.
2: Man, I'll tell you what, I'm blessed. I got six kids, a wonderful daughter-in-law, six awesome kids, amazing wife, all because God is the author of that, you Mm -hmm. know. I look back and realize— the, and, and that's part of what we're learning here, you know, I modeled my fatherhood and my husbandry after what I read in Scripture. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I can say to you now, 27 years later, it worked. Yeah. And so that's what's going to be cool as we're reading through this. There's so many things that jump out to me that so apply to my life that totally were not meant that when they were written 4,000 years ago. But the Holy Spirit brings it alive so I am enjoying going through this Bible again and yeah.
0: So yeah, that's cool. Uh I I'd, I'd love to start off by asking you guys, I didn't pr- prep you for this, but um how has the way that you read and understand the Bible uh changed or progressed uh the longer that you walk with Jesus. Does that make sense?
1: You know, there's a a progression uh where you move from um a checklist to um, a checklist in your faith to a dedicated uh, love story with the Lord where um, it goes from being something that you do uh, sit down with the word with your coffee in the morning so you can kind of feel like you've done your diligence for the day to uh, it truly becomes your daily bread and uh, you you do thirst for it and you have a hunger for it and you don't feel complete. Or full without it, and that's a beautiful thing. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Steve, you're a lead pastor, so you've probably read the Bible like 150 times, right? Millions, <laughs> millions. <laughs> so how how does reading it today look different than the way you read it uh, ten years ago, fifteen years ago?
2: Well, when I started reading it, you know, I wasn't even a Christian. Mm. Somebody had challenged me to read the Bible, a well, friend, and. I started reading it before I was even a Christian. Yeah. And so a lot of this stuff made no sense to me. Mm. And sure. then as after I got saved and the Holy Spirit began to, you know, speak through it, I started, I think, reading it for information and mm-hmm. understanding. And now kinda of like Beth saying, now it really is I'm praying saying, okay, Lord, what do you want to show me today? What new nuggets uh-huh. do you want to and, and sometimes it's something humorous, sometimes it's something like, oh wow. I've never seen that in all the times I've read,
0: and that leapt off the page. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that cool yeah. that we can read the same passage literally a 100 times, and God does something new in us each time? Yeah. yeah. And a
2: lot of it has to do with the stage of life we're in. Sure. Sure. You know, as a young single man, I saw some things that were important then. Mm-hmm. But as a as a husband with no kids, I saw it one way. As a father with kids, I saw mm-hmm. it some way. As a pastor, I saw it some way. As a, uh, you know, because we all have those different phases of life. Yeah. And it's amazing to me how the Holy Spirit speaks intimately to us through the Word of God, yes. differently at different phases.
1: I, I love... Um David speaks about this, how he has hidden the Word in his heart. Uh, and I love that. I may read it, and it it may feel not pertinent in my life. I don't really need it in the moment I pass over it, and uh, a situation will arise. And the Lord has already put that Word yeah. in my heart. And nice. so that, that nugget is in my back pocket. I can pull it out and say, hey, I, I read something about that. Like the, the Lord showed me something about Himself in that place. Where was that? I need that now. And that's that's a beautiful thing.
0: And just uh, another picture of the goodness of God. Yes. Right? Absolutely. And His provision. Yeah. Always. That's so cool. So the reading for this week uh, covers the end of Exodus, mm-hmm. and there's a short section from Leviticus that's, that's thrown in, and then the first few chapters of numbers, mm-hmm. and so as we as we recap a little bit, we find ourselves back. The people have come to uh, to Mount Sinai, and Moses has come up with the Lord on on the mountain. He's he's given the Ten Commandments, and uh, it shows that that Moses has been up there for about a month, so mm-hmm. just thirty days, and the people down at the base of the mountain are struggling Mm -hmm. and they begin to grumble. And they say to Aaron, who is Moses brother, who's the, who's the priest that, that they're kind of looking to. They say, Hey, we just, we need something. We need something that shows us who God is that, that we can, that we can worship. Mm -hmm. And so Aaron tells them to gather all of this, uh, uh, all the gold that they can, and then they they melt it and they mold it into a calf mm. and Aaron says the words right he says, This is your God, yes, the one who brought you out of Egypt, yes. and you can worship him. I'm blown away by that, <laughs> absolutely uh blown away was there something that that stuck out in that story to to either of you?
1: yeah, I felt like, um obviously we we step back and we look at that and we think that's absurd, because our our idols look very different. Our mm-hmm. idols look like ambition or fame. But for these people, they wanted something tangible. That's what they understood. That's the culture they came out of. and they they needed a God they could see. and And later, we see Jesus as as the perfect representation, God in the flesh. This is just a, another a picture of how much God understands us. You know these these people, they they wanted to see God, and and He reveals Himself. Yeah. To them. Yeah. That's just, good. They didn't go about it in a great way.
2: Yeah. Yeah. For for me, sometimes when I read this, I read the absurdity of man, <laughs> mm-hmm. which very much relates to the absurdity of Steve. Yeah. You yes. know, and I'm reading this passage here where Moses is confronting. Aaron, and I got this marked in my Bible. It says, uh, Moses called him out, and uh, Aaron replies, Do not be angry, my Lord. You know how prone these people are to evil. Mm -hmm. They said to me, Make us gods who will go before us. As for this fellow Moses who brought us out of Egypt, we don't know what happened to him. So I told them, Whoever has gold jewelry, take it off. Then they gave me the gold, and I threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. I'm just like, that is so like us as people trying to pass the buck Mm -hmm. when something goes wrong and then trying to minimize what we've done wrong. All I did, Moses, was throw the gold in the fire and out came this calf. Really? You didn't shape it. You didn't have guys over here trying to make it into an idol. It just poof. And I find that with my, my life, you know, Lord, I didn't. I didn't do anything much wrong. I I was just trying to get to that next location expediently hmm. so that I could have more time to tell people about Jesus <laughs> and that police officer was just getting in my way. Right? Yeah. It's like yeah. we we're we're quick to justify and minimize our sin whereas when other people do things we tend to maximize and talk about it.
1: Absolutely. And I think we see, you know, in the in the scripture here just a, a horrific consequence of this of this action that they took. This idolatry, it, because Aaron stood by and he didn't he didn't say anything. You know he didn't he didn't call out the he mistake. Didn't do what he should have done. He didn't he didn't lead yeah. well. He didn't he didn't stop the people. Uh, he let them have their way. And I think in love sometimes we we do have to put the brakes on for people and call them out when they need to be called out. And we see the consequences of failing to do that here. Yeah,
2: and it wasn't just him. Because, I mean, the, the whole nation's coming around sure, sure. to to accept the, the quick worship of this calf mm-hmm. as their God. Where were the men of God that would say, no, we yeah. will not do this. We yeah. will stand against this idolatry. Where were
0: they at in that moment? Yeah. Absolutely. God, it tells us that God at that point was like, all right, guys, I'm ready to start again. Moses will, I'll just, I'll continue my promises. I'll just do it through you and your family. Yes. <laughs> Let's just and and then Moses intercedes mm-hmm. yes. for the people. Uh very reminiscent of Abraham mm. interceding, yes. you yes. know. Uh and and God says, All right, I'll relent. And I think Steve, as as we were talking earlier, you mentioned about just being blown away by the grace for Aaron. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm thinking Aaron gets a pass multiple
2: times because later there's a point where he rebels against Moses Mm -hmm. and and yet the Lord still has the priesthood go through his lineage. His sons offer this uh, wrongful fire, whether that's as the book kind of suggested that it was perhaps they were drunk when they came in or uh, maybe they were flippant or maybe they had just been living sinful and they're they're like, I don't care. You know, what's God going to do? Uh, right. It had to be something big. We know that yeah. because Aaron makes a calf and God lets him live. His sons offer this unauthorized it's fire thier. and he kills them. Yeah. So what, whatever it was, but I'm, I am thankful for the grace. Because yeah. as a pastor, let me tell you, there's some times <laughs> I'm like, "Oh I, Lord, don't don't treat me like like Aaron's sons. Treat me like Aaron." <laughs> True. Yeah. yeah. Well, and
1: too, it just goes to show that when God has a plan, our mistakes don't derail His plan. Mm. our our bad sure. choices do not derail his plan. Right. And so in spite of Aaron, God fulfilled his plan.
0: Right. And and we see that that promise you know he made back to Abraham and as it's passed from from generation to generation they often walked in obstinance to God mm-hmm. but yet he still is continuing his promise and his plan and even if he even if he had wiped out the nation at that point he still said Moses I'm, I I can follow this through you God keeps his promises he does he does uh, so this crazy incident with the golden calf then we have a very detailed account of the construction of the tabernacle mm-hmm. and the tabernacle is a word uh, for tent, really, but it's going to be this dwelling place of of the presence of God, and it's a very detailed mm-hmm. account.
1: It is. I I loved that as I read through these chapters. Um, it's exhaustive. Every detail is listed. No no stone, literal or otherwise, goes unturned. Um, down to you know exact measurements and the amount of of the metals that go into it, and the fabrics and the colors and. And all of that and i love that that picture that god's in the details and he insisted on having this this way and this this tabernacle this dwelling place is a is a forerunner a shadow of the the later holy temple that was a physical structure and then us as believers who are the temple and if he puts this much detail into the tabernacle how much how much intentionality and detail does He put into us as His holy temple? Yeah,
2: this is why I love the podcast and why I love life groups because when we when we talk about what we read,
1: mm-hmm.
2: I, I get to hear other people's perspectives yeah. that I don't see at all. Mm-hmm. I read the details, and I'm like, you know, snooze. You know, it's like <laughs> it's like I'd rather get poked in the eyeball with a needle than to read about the colors and the the links and You know, the gold (laughs) rings and the gold it. I'm just like, okay, let's move Mm -hmm. on. And yet when I hear you talk about it, I'm like, wow, there is significance in that, Mm -hmm. you know? And that's why I love doing this together because the the richness of the body of Christ and hearing other people and how God is speaking to them, it brings the Bible even more alive for me.
0: Yeah, Uh, absolutely. So so I'm I'm glad to hear that, man. That's pretty cool as you see them fulfilling uh, and really following the Lord's plans uh, for the tabernacle, for the priestly garments, all of these things. Um, one thing that really stuck out to me in Exodus 39, 43, and it said in a couple different places, it says, so the people of Israel followed all of the Lord's instructions mm-hmm. to Moses. Mm. Yes. And I thought that was interesting because here they had they had very physical tasks, Like, Mm -hmm. here's what you're supposed to do, here's how you're supposed to do it, you do this, and and they're building things, they're putting things together, Uh, they're using skills, and they were able to follow what the Lord said, and they followed His instructions, they did what He said. But when it comes to matters of the heart, or simply just trusting God, that seems to be when they have a hard time following the Lord and we and we see time and time again we'll see as we as we get into the history of of Israel as we get into the period of the judges and and then into the kings we'll we'll see time and time again the writers point out that the people did what was right in their own eyes
1: mm-hmm. or
0: they did what was evil in the eyes of the Lord
1: i think too we can take this as a as a warning, we can see this objectively and step back and what you're, what you're saying about they were task oriented and they were able to do what God had asked them to do in so much as it required the work of their hands. But when it became a heart condition, they struggled with that and that we see that it's just that easy to get caught up in uh, a works mentality or legalism, you know, even still today that we, we can do all the things that, God commands us to do and still like entirely miss the point.
2: Yeah. I think it's cool too that here in Exodus, uh, let me see, 35, and 36, he gives them the freedom to be a part of the tabernacle. Mm. Everybody's given a chance to do something. Yeah. Everybody gets to bring something. And God had predisposed them to have that ability mm-hmm. because if you go back uh, the Lord told Moses, I'm going to make the Egyptians favorable unto you when you leave. That's yes. right. And they...
0: The gold and the silver. He and, gave them gold yeah. and
2: silver. And they may have been thinking, okay, ooh, God set me up for a win. And God said, no, I'm preparing you for worship. Yeah. I'm preparing you that you can be a part of something so much bigger than yourself. And they got to be a part of that. And so, uh, you know, he talks about the privilege and how some of them had the gifts of artistry and some of these ladies had the the ability, if they were willing and had the skill to spin the goat hair. They got to be a part of this tabernacle that would be the place where God would would dwell in their presence in order to be among mm-hmm. them. And I can just imagine how cool it'd be to say to their kids, hey, you see that over there? Your grandma got to do a part of that. And then, then he invites them to give financially for the gold, you know what I mean? Think about it. If they were all slaves, they wouldn't have had gold if God mm-hmm. hadn't predisposed them. It was it was humbling for me. We used this scripture when we started the building project. Mm-hmm. Because when you realize God's given us everything we need to honor him.
1: Yes.
2: So if he's calling us to be a part of this and he has predisposed us, he has pre-prepared us. Pre-prepared. Is that a word? Pre-prepare? It is now. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. he's got pre-prepared. works. <laughs> okay. He had pre-prepared <laughs> <him>. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. (laughs) Sometimes I make up words. He had prepared them in advance Mm -hmm. uh, that they might be able to be a part of building of this tabernacle. And that's what he does for us today. Mm -hmm. He's not going to call us to do something that he hasn't already equipped us or will be preparing Mm -hmm. us to do in the future.
1: And I think it, it speaks to his character also when we see these again these details but these people listed out specifically these these seemingly small and mundane tasks that were recorded and have been preserved you know when we feel like that that tedium that routine the things that we do every day we serve our families or whatever that looks like that maybe we feel like might go unseen or isn't relevant or isn't important but we see here the people who stitched blue thread into the fabric of the curtains and the people whose job it was, like there are very specific instructions laid out about how to, how to pack up these instruments on the table and and carry them around. You know, that was their, their job, their exclusive job in this tabernacle. Those small things were important to God and they're recorded and they're preserved because they matter to him. We matter too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. To continue kind of the, the recap of, of what all we see, you see, uh, from the section from Leviticus eight to ten, the ordination of of Aaron and his sons as priests, mm. and it goes through. They're they're putting on all of the these garments that had been prepared, where these these artists have, have put all this together. And well, let let me interject right here because
2: this is where we we have a shift in the chronological Bible. Now mm-hmm. I, I think it's important. Up till now, we've been reading Genesis one and following. Now, what you're going to see in the in the Bible that we're reading is it's going to intersperse Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, all through, through the reading. Now, this gets a little bit confusing, perhaps, if you're just trying to read it from another source. So, yeah. you can go to the River app, and we've got it specifically for you there. The, the reading's broken down. I love the fact that it intersperses it there, because for me, uh, I am a linear thinker. I know a lot of people aren't, but it helps me understand, oh, that's how they were ordained, and that's why. And it connects them to the, you know, some of the priestly garments and some of the things and helps me put it all together in one spot, and I understand it more that way. So. Yeah.
0: yeah, so the way this Bible does it, you have all the instructions for the tabernacle, for the priests and their garments, and then it takes this section out of Leviticus, pulls it in, puts it here, so then you see the culmination of that. And it does similar things with the laws. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the last week's reading, we had the Ten Commandments, but it it skipped a section there. Whereas later, they're going to pull the laws together—the ceremonial laws, the the cleansing laws—thematically together, just so it's a little easier to understand. So, yeah, I do I do appreciate that. And so we see Aaron and his sons ordained into the priesthood. Then, not long after that, uh, Nadab and Abihu—if that's how you pronounce their names uh it's as good a shot as any right? Uh, they they come into the presence of those are the Aaron's two sons who were ordained. So they knew God's expectations for them, and they come in it says they come into the presence of God and they burn, as Steve was mentioning, uh, they burn that unauthorized fire. It looks like they didn't do things the way that God had said to do them. and whether it was flippant, whether they were drunk at the time, they didn't take God's holiness serious,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and said that the presence of God consumed them.
1: I think it. I think at no. I think at no point can we forget or sideline the fact that our good and gracious Father is also just and holy. When He says He's going to do something, He's going to do that that thing. And when He um, expected them to do this, and He was clear about their their expectations, He wouldn't have been. A just God that that we could trust if He did not keep His word mm-hmm. in that, and and His holiness is is everything in this context. Yeah, you
0: know, and that holiness of God, His holiness, His His set apart, His uniqueness, mm-hmm. uh, is pure goodness. But it's also can be dangerous if you enter into it without being covered by His goodness and, and yes. grace. I think of the Passover lamb. I also think of uh, uh, if you've read the Chronicles of Narnia, uh, C.S. Lewis in, in The Lion, the Witch in the Wardrobe, uh, writes about Aslan is the lion. He's really the Christ figure yes. in the story. And the uh, the characters in the book talking about Aslan, they said, make make no mistake about it, he is dangerous. Sure. He's good, but he's not tame. <laughs> yes. And uh, I, just, I just love that picture. I think it's a a picture of this, that the, the holiness, the 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 purity of God is is goodness, but it's also serious, right? It is.
2: Yeah, and and honestly, it made me sad. I, I wrote on my Bible sad. Mm. It, I mean, how broken must Aaron have been as a father? Mm. Yeah. You know, to have in that moment losing two of his sons. Mm. And I, I just have to believe because of the character of God and how we know the yep. character of God is... As merciful, compassionate, slow to anger, slow to wrath, that I, I'm guessing God had probably warned them and warned them. Yes. I, I really believe that that they knew and and maybe even it was like, well, we're just gonna show we're gonna show who's who's the boss. I I just believe there had to be such a an attitude of their heart that was mm-hmm. so offensive unto God and so unholy that the Lord had in essence had to do this. As an example to all those who would be priests in the mm-hmm. future that this is not a game this is this is righteousness, this is holiness, this is me, and just like you man, the purity of the gold, the everything's got to be pure it's It's
0: important, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely, yeah, and he they had to move right on, He <laughs> mm-hmm. raised up his other two sons, right mm-hmm. after it, right, and it was right after amazing
2: thing where God sent fire to burn the from the it says in uh the passage right before it that fire came out of the presence of the Lord and consumed the burnt offerings and the fat portions of the altar mm. and when the people saw it they shouted for joy and fell face down so it was right after a holy moment yeah where where people are like wow god just did that we better mm-hmm. get humble mm-hmm. and then these two sons apparently are no. In the face of that, going, no.
0: Yep. So. And we do that. Yeah, yeah. Israel yeah. continues to be a picture of, of us, us. Yeah. Right? We see the goodness and the greatness of God. We see the miracles of God. And then the next moment, we're not trusting Him, mm-hmm. or we're walking in our own ways. The Levites are, are chosen and set apart for service in, in the tabernacle. We see the offerings from from each tribe there's this census as we get into the book of numbers you see the the numbering of the israelites and then the arrangement of the camp around the tabernacle and then this section ends with the counting of the levites that are eligible for service and then the counting of of all of the firstborn who from back at the passover god had said hey i want you to set aside all the firstborn mm-hmm. males and they are to be holy unto me. The number of the Levites matches the number of the firstborn, except for 273. And then even in that, there is provision made for them to redeem. And it's just this small picture. I'd never noticed it before until now, but there's this small picture of of redemption, Mm
2: -hmm.
0: which I think just is another nod, another point to uh god's plan and the business that god is in of of redeeming uh, his people i thought that was pretty cool so as we've as we recapped uh, is there something that we haven't mentioned beth for you that just kind of jumps off the page
1: what i what i love about this this section among a, a lot of other things is that there was this god who is the creator of all things who chose these people and he's seen them through i mean we're what's almost 700 years removed from abraham or something like that he's seen them through this long this long journey and they're starting another long journey and he so desires to dwell among them mm. you know that was that was such a a new concept for people in that that time and that culture a god that would come down and and dwell among his people who wasn't you know elevated up there over there separate but that wanted to be among the people so much so that he said I want you to take all of these things and and like Steve said these things that he had ordained before they even left Egypt take these things and and shape them and fashion them into a tent a dwelling place for for my presence so that I can be among you and then he creates this priesthood because he wants the people to have these intermediaries, these connections to him through, through worship in that, in that space. That's just incredible because he could have set all this into motion and then left it to be, but he wanted to be in it with these people in this, in this space.
0: Yeah, yeah. Steve, anything else jumping out to you?
1: The,
2: the purity that he keeps demanding in mm-hmm. the tabernacle, the purity he keeps demanding in the priests, the consecrating of themselves— in our culture, and I'm, I'm, I'm all about this, that we're all about God being our friend. God is, he loves us, he's compassionate, slow to anger, slow to wrath, and that's true. But what we're seeing here, though, is God is a righteous God. He is a holy God, and he will not be mocked. He mm-hmm. will not be uh, allowing us to make a joke of him, mm-hmm. which I think, you know, going back to that that fire being offered by Aaron's sons and not just there, but also you read about, he tells the Kohathites, you know, don't look upon the holy things. Yeah, There's a holiness that's a thread through Genesis to mm-hmm. Revelation. And in mm-hmm. Revelation, he says, the elders will be around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God almighty. I don't think I fully understand this holiness. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't think I'm fully grasping it because, you know, with King David later on, you're going to see. He had told them not to touch the yeah. Ark of the Covenant, and it starts to fall as they're carrying it to the next town. And the guy tries to keep it from yeah. falling and hitting the ground, and he touches it and he's Trying dies. to do something
0: that seems mm-hmm. logical or seems right.
2: Yeah, it seems mm-hmm. lo- seems logical and right, and yet yeah. there's something about this element of the holiness of God that God Himself, you know, will not back down on. Mm-hmm. You know. Uh, we see Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament. For those who think God doesn't do this in the New Testament, <laughs> Ananias and Sapphira in the New Testament, they are making a mockery of sacrifice financially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and pretending like they're doing this holier-than-thou thing, giving all their stuff, and they're they're lying about it. Mm-hmm. And God immediately takes their life. So there there is something that we, especially as American Christians, mm. need to take seriously because I think... We can make a mockery of things of Christ and his church. Mm -hmm. I've been just reading, and I feel like one of the challenges going on right now is the way Christians are mocking the church Mm. and insulting Christ's bride. Mm. It's not perfect, I get it, but God is perfect, Mm. and he calls the church his bride, and therefore... I think we need to watch all of our words, yeah. of what we're flippantly saying, and realize God is holy. And I, I I'm just, I'm, you can tell, I'm still trying to wrap yeah, my head yeah. around this. Yeah. So.
1: Well, and I would say, you know, this isn't the place where you, um, you stop reading or you give up on God because there are some instances in here with Aaron's sons and after the golden calf, there was a, a really harsh response, and we we read that and we just maybe think. Like that's that's not um that's not gracious or that's not kind, or that's not a God that I can live up to, but see the the thing is, yes, he is holy, and he is he is righteous, and he is just, but this is only a part of the story. He's the mm-hmm. same throughout, but you like you have to keep reading to get the whole picture and to really learn his character and know. That you may never know fully, but that he is He is good in, mm-hmm. in everything that he does.
0: Yeah, yeah. The one thing that really jumped out to me this week is, uh, it's towards the end, and it talks about the arrangement of the camp.
1: Mm.
0: So when they would move from place to place, then this is how they w- were to arrange the camp. And at the center was the tabernacle, which again, is is the place the Spirit of God was dwelling among the people. The tabernacle then arranged around the, the tabernacle were the priests and the Levites. And then from there, this very neatly detailed organization of the rest of the tribes of Israel. And there were um, three of them to the north, to the south, to the east and the west. I think it's meant to be a picture and a reminder to us that the presence of God is supposed to be the center mm. of our lives, the center of our community. God often gives us those pictures as a reminder, mm-hmm. and we and we we see them all all throughout Scripture. And I just love that it also mentions Judah as the as the head. If you look back at the blessing that that, that Jacob gave over over his sons, that when he when he talked about Judah, he said the scepter will will never leave. Uh, your hand until the one comes. The inference is the one that's coming that was promised way back in Genesis 3, uh, the fulfillment of the promise made to Abraham that one day all nations will be blessed through you. And again, it's this pointing, this picture of Jesus. I really love that.
2: I, I just want to share this one last funny thing. <laughs> because I, Please do. Uh, there's this part here uh, where Moses is so full of God after being in the presence of God. It says, his face was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. And his, when all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. So later on, when Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face. Again, that holiness, like when you were in the presence of God. And it reminded me, there was a time in my life when I was a new Christian, and I was just so on fire for the Lord. And I read this and I was like, Lord, I want that to be me. And I'm like, Lord, let me just hear from you so cl- clearly. And and I thought, I wonder, I wonder if maybe this is one of those moments for me. And I literally went in the bathroom. <laughs> of course you did. I did. And I looked in the mirror and there was no radiance <laughs> and I didn't need a veil. And I was so disappointed. <laughs> but but I didn't say that to say... I. I still want to see this glory of God. I still yes. I, even today, I want to see mm-hmm. and talk with God as Moses did, and I believe mm-hmm. we can and we do yeah uh, I just don't guess we need a veil anymore.
0: Jesus tore the veil
2: right hey, oh yeah.
0: ooh, come on <laughs> man, God is so good. Thank you guys for uh for joining us this week. It's been fun.
1: thanks so much for having us yeah
0: it it has been good. Yeah. And thank you for listening and uh, join us next week. Uh, We're going to be setting out from Mount Sinai towards the promised land. There's going to be more grumbling (laughs) and uh, the recon team is going to be sent into the promised land and we're going to see what happens as a result of that. And thanks again to the River Community Church for allowing us to to, to do this. And if you want more information on the church, you can look at therivercc.com. Thanks.